Hey, what's up? Like, totally time for 90210. Well, hello, everybody. It's Mark, just me, on the 90210 show. No Carol uh, this time. Because I'm here to tell you that back in 1994, we began watching, well, Carol began watching the 90210 show. And we talked about a few episodes at the end of season four. And now we are here to present you those episodes again. For those of you that missed it, it was on the regular the regular show, Massive Late Fee, which you can hear every week. <laughs> we, we did uh, some 90210 shows. I believe we did, I want to say like seven episodes towards the end of the season, six, seven episodes towards the end of the season. Those will all be presented here uh, today uh, as separate episodes, but they're all coming out at the same time. There are no real intros to the show, which is why we're recording this, to kind of let you know what's going on. Next week, we'll be back with the season premiere of Season 5, and we will continue our 90210 journey. But we wanted to kind of restore and preserve these episodes. As you'll hear, at first, it was just Carol talking about the show and sort of describing it to me. Then as we went along, we got more and more into it, which is why we started, ended up doing the show as a a separate thing. Uh, So here they are and enjoy. Now on to our continuing coverage of 90210. Well, this week was the season finale. I know we're going to have to start looking for things to do in the summer. Oh, I know, it's going to be bad. The beach report, that's what we'll do. <laughs> How are the beaches? I wish we were going to beaches. Yeah, well, we will be. Um, So it was titled, Mr. Walsh Goes to Washington, because remember how last episode ended with him actually finding out he is going. Yeah, Brandon slash Brendan is going to Washington. <laughs> and um, they were doing a carnival, at a Mardi Gras-themed carnival for California University. Completely wrong month. Right? It's kind of weird. Mardi Gras is French for Fat Tuesday or Large Tuesday. Mardi is Tuesday. Gras is big. What month is that in? It's in like February, February. right? Yes. Yeah. It's the beginning of Lent. Yeah. So there's a lot, you know, going on at the carnival. They've got like a mud pit thing. A Mardi Gras-like thing happens in this episode that we'll get to. Yeah, it does. Um... Where Steve's fraternity is working, um, this mud thing. The Keg House. Yeah. Which I didn't realize that was the name of his fraternity. That's so dumb. A barbaric and stupid name for a fraternity. Especially one so gay friendly. Right. Um, Should be the Chablis House. And uh, that, that guy that actually left because they kept the gay guy in, John Sears. Yeah, John, John Sears, uh, son of the founder of sears (laughs) he shows up and not not alone with steve's ex-girlfriend celeste yeah so he's really rubbing it in his face he's well she is (laughs) (laughs) she's rubbing it in john's face oh gross so anyways (laughs) well we learned that later john keeps uh what they've had sex we learned that later they say that i don't remember them saying that yeah i'll get to it when you get to it all right so John's just knocking Steve in the mud over and over and over. Yeah, it's a jousting tournament. 
No. Okay, that was water. He was in d- different booths then, because there was one where he kept dunking him in the water tank. At first, he jousts him and knocks him in the in the mud. Okay. Because their friend, the funny fat guy, I guess, I, he didn't really have much of a character. He He's the one that kept getting picked and knocked in the mud. And he said, Steve, I think it's your turn to do this. Right. And he said, who's going to pick me when they could pick you? And then the guy that's running it says, Steve, you're up. Yeah. And it's this, that's where we first see that it's this John guy. So the first thing he does is knock him in the mud in the jousting pit. Okay, and then later, in front of Celeste, he's just knocking him over and over and over into a water tank. Yeah, the dunk tank. I mean, he's just, you know, totally enjoying uh, torturing Steve. Yeah, and the only way to... Steve is such a horrible character that the only way that we can get sympathy is from is if a total villainous bigot is his, is his opponent. Right. And even then, a lot of the times I was like, yeah, yeah, dunk him fucking sucks and then you know donna and um david are kind of working this thing yeah and um david's supposed to be like i'm seeing baby faces show and um you know there's a lot going on there the legendary baby face right <laughs> apparently a real person i don't really follow um r&b much so or hippity hop or whatever you would classify that music as right well it was the remember it was the center of hip-hop Surrounded by white people. Right. <laughs> so, um, I guess the second keyboardist did not show up for Babyface's uh, concert. Yeah, Babyface's concert, it melts your face so hard they need two keyboardists. And Ariel suggests that David step in. And, you know, it all works out great. And when he's done auditioning, basically, like playing with them, and they ask him to, you know, come back and play the concert, he runs over to Ariel. He does. He celebrates with her. Yeah. As Donna's just watching. Is pretty interesting. Doesn't doesn't seem quite right. Then there's uh, Steve's talking to Donna. And he sees this and he actually says to her, he's such an ass, who's that sexy vixen drooling all over David? And she just tells him to go to hell and walks away. Right. Um, unfortunately, though, and I'm, I'm just kind of going through the storylines to completion here, so... Um, when David's playing Babyface's concert, he takes off with Ariel afterwards. Donna's looking for him to congratulate him. Can't find him. Finds him fucking her in a limo. Yeah. He is such an ass. Yeah, and I would be more up in arms, but I don't care about either of these characters. I, I mean, I care enough that that's upsetting. I guess. I mean, they're both supposed to be virgins. How do we know that Tori Spelling saw them, though? Because it looked like she was both staring at them and looking over down the driveway. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> but and I think it's so bizarre too the way they handle it. Like she's knocking on the door and he just opens a door and lets her come in. Like it was weird because so what happens is she knocks on the limo because they're in a limo, right? In a line of limos, and. We go in, the camera goes inside, and we see them having sex. She's, like, on top of him in the limo. And he's, they do that thing where, you know, everyone on TV has sex with their pants still on somehow. (laughs) And so he, she gets off of him, and, well, she didn't have time, but she she removes (laughs) him, she removes herself from him. 
and he starts put, putting his pants, zipping his pants back up and everything, and getting his shirt on, and he rolls the window down just enough to see his face, which is suspicious enough anyway. Right. And she says, hey, I just wanted to congratulate you. You know, can you open the door? It's locked. So he's like, yeah, just a minute. So he rolls the window up. They take another, I don't know, 20 seconds to pull themselves together. He and still he, doesn't have all his clothes on, though. No. Well, I, there's no time. And he opens the door, and she sits down and looks over at her and the other woman, and she's all disheveled. Her hair's everywhere. Her shirt's not on correctly. And obviously she finds out, she figures, well, you would think she figures out what's going on. But then just to make it even more clear, she looks down and sees an open condom wrapper. Yeah. And now she knows what's going on. Because even though she doesn't have sex, she knows what those are for. And then, you know, at some point she, when she's yelling at him, she, you know, says, you know, we were both supposed to be virgins. That was something that made it special, whatever. And he's like, um, and she says, was this your first time? Which, which I, I pointed out, no one's first time is in a limo. Right. You need to build up those skills. And um, he, he says, no, but it was always with her or whatever. Yes. So he's been having an affair with her. Yes. Yeah, so I think he met, they met, what, last episode? Yeah. So in the whatever week it's been since that last episode, they've had sex multiple times. He is such an asshole. Well, you know, he is also a 19-year-old guy. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's understandable, I guess, that he would cheat because they're not having sex, but they made a commitment to each other. Yeah, but men do have needs. Women have needs, too, but they made a commitment to each other. She obviously doesn't. She's never had sex. But okay. yes, they made a commitment to each other, so they so he should not cheat. I agree. I mean, he should have broken up with her if he didn't want to wait for her anymore. He should have had a conversation with her. Maybe she would have had sex with him. I doubt it. She seemed pretty adamant about her. That's the she's she's the demographic of the show. Apparently, when they made this show, they said there's a small demographic, about ten percent, that want to wait to have sex till they're married. And we need to capture that 10% of the youth market. So we need to have a character who wants to stay a virgin until she's married so they can identify with her. And then the other executive said, okay, let's make it the most boring, vanilla, uninteresting character possible. And then Aaron Spelling said, I know just the person. Oh, goodness. That's so mean. So, okay, so Andrea had her baby. Yes. Start, very mature. Starts out with the C-section. Um, they have a little girl, and, and the dad's being kind of weird about it. Like, he doesn't want to give her a name. and He wants to wait. Yeah. To he make, to wants make... to make sure she's going to live. Yeah, it's so terrible. Um, she's two pounds, eight ounces, so she's very little. And they wouldn't even let Andrea see her right away. Can we get real for a minute? Hmm. You were premature. Yes. How much did you weigh when you were born? One pound, 15 ounces. Son of a bitch. Yeah, that baby was nine nine ounces bigger than me. Wow. So, Carol has some... I mean, obviously she doesn't remember it. Do you? Do you remember that? Of course not. <laughs> I didn't want to presume. <laughs> <laughs> but she has some insight into premature babies, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've heard my mom talk about what she went through and stuff. And, um, like, for my mom, she didn't see me right away, but she was all messed up. Yeah. And she was convinced I was dead. And she was crying and... Because and... you didn't cry? No, because they had to knock her out 
when they were doing the C-section because she felt them cutting her. Oh, gosh. And um, when she woke Sounds up. Pleasant. Right. When she woke up, I'm already in the, you know, ICU. And her blood pressure was really bad, so they didn't want to, you know, move her. So she thought they just didn't want to tell her that I was dead because they didn't want her blood pressure to go up. Gotcha. So finally, you know, the nurse took pity on her and put her in a wheelchair and brought her down to see me. But yeah, I mean, I would be freaking out too. Like, why won't they let her see her baby? I, I would not be happy. Because that premature, I was just going to say that premature babies can't cry yet. Right. Um, and then um, her husband doesn't want her to see the baby. Because yeah. he says the baby had a bad night and she's on a respirator now and needs a blood transfusion and all this stuff. And, I mean, I get he's trying to protect her, but he's an idiot because any woman wants to see her baby. It doesn't matter. All the little incubators in the ICU are decorated, too, with the baby's name and, and things like that. Yeah. But theirs is completely plain because he doesn't want to put anything on it. It's, it's one of those situations that's actually, it's not acted very well, and it could probably be written a little bit better. But the situation is a good situation because it's one of those situations where in TV where you can see both sides. Yeah. I see his side where he's scared. He doesn't want to emotionally connect with this child because of how devastating it would be if she died. And he wants to wait until, until he's more sure. But the thing is, is that's not going to protect him and it's not going to protect her. Because were the baby to die, it would be devastating either way. For sure. Whether you wanted to, because that's your kid. Whether you wanted to try to make an emotional connection or not. I mean, like, walling his emotions off like that doesn't get rid of them. For sure. It's just he's not exhibiting them. That's all. And he, you know, finally he has a conversation with her at some point And at least a brief conversation Mm -hmm. where he's honest about his fear because he's trying to keep a a strong front for her. Yeah. And that's not, you know, if you're scared, sometimes having a strong front is good, but, but a lot of times just sharing your fear helps you feel better with the person that you're sharing it with. So that's what he should have done from the very beginning. So you can kind of see his point of view, but at the same time, he's not doing the right thing. So you can see the point of view against him, too. Yeah. So that's the, that's why I like the situation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, eventually he does kind of kind of let her in and, and, you know, cries and stuff, and it's good. Yeah, and the baby seems to be fine. Now, I find it really odd when he first comes out. Like, everybody runs to the hospital to be there when the baby's born. Even, yeah. even though, you know, she's having a C-section and they're not going to be able to see her or the baby or anything. Um, and he comes out and tells them the baby's born. And they all leave, and then he's like, but Brandon, wait, Andrea wants to see you. Why? Why him? I don't know. Apparently they have some sort of, some sort of stronger connection than the other friends do. That's weird. Because later, when the other thing happens, well, we'll get to that, but someone got her permi- got Andrea's permission, too. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I don't want to ruin it yet for anyone that hasn't seen it. Although if you haven't seen it, I don't, I don't know why you're. You, this is just your cliff notes. I don't. What is wrong with you? I don't understand. <laughs> if you haven't seen the episode, I don't know why you're listening to this. Right. You're a madman. <laughs> um, and you know, like I remember Andrea sending Jesse off, um, with Steve, which I'm sorry, but yeah, he's not gonna help him. Bad idea. 
And um, she's hanging out with Kelly, right? Sure. It was Kelly that was there with her. And, um, yeah. It, anyways, she's talking about, you know, I'm not going home without my baby. Like, they're so naive and young and stupid. Premature babies are going to be in the hospital at least a couple months. Yep. There's no way. But whatever. They get there. They get there eventually. And the baby's going to be fine. But there's this one moment where, like, the alarms are going off. And oh, yeah. you're not sure um, if it's their baby or somebody else's baby that's coding. And it's somebody else's. Yeah. And, uh... We assume that baby dies. Right. And, and they're like... Even... <laughs> Actually, I think the baby was fine. Because it was still... There was still a baby in that incubator uh, when... The, in the final scene, when they were looking at their, their child and putting on the decorations for the incubator. Mm-hmm. So, I assume that baby ended up being okay. Okay. Um, so... Anyways, they look at each other and they're like, I can't help but feel bad because, you know, I'm just relieved it's not our baby. I think that's right. normal, though. It's not uh, like they I want agree. the other baby to die. Right. I agree. Okay, so um, with so that's how their story kind of wraps up is that their baby's okay and they kind of deal with the motions and they're getting closer and stuff. So that's good. Yep. All right. So now we've got Dylan and Kevin and Erica, you know, his little sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you want to do this before we finish Steve's store, Steve's plotline? Or did we finish Steve's plotline? We finished Steve's plotline. Okay, well, we didn't get we didn't, we didn't didn't get a resolution to it in any way. Okay, well, you, you go ahead and take that one, then, because that's where my recollection of Steve ends. Well, I don't blame you, but... <laughs> so, so this guy's just basically on his ass the, oh, entire, yeah. the entire time. I remember now. And... He tries to tell Celeste that the guy she's with is a real slime ball, and she just kind of looks at him. And he said he said to him at one point, "This is where we find out they've had sex." He said to him at one point, "What do you? you I know what you're doing. You're just dating Celeste to get back to me." He goes, "No, I'm dating Celeste because she's good in the sack." Oh yeah. And he's like, "I'm doing all this to get back." <laughs> and so. At the end, he says, look, let's let's joust one more time, and if I win, you stay away from Celeste. And John says, and if I win, you leave Keg House forever. So that's the stakes. Those are some pretty high stakes, too. Like, he must really love Celeste. I guess. It's also funny that Celeste is basically just a prize to be won. True. Instead of just instead of Steve just saying, "Hey, this guy hates gays," and left the fraternity because a gay was allowed to stay in, so you know, have that information in case you need it. Instead of that, he's playing a game to find out if she stays with this guy or not. Right. Anyway, so Kelly and Brenda actually do talk to Celeste, although it's all off screen. Yeah. They, they basically they just say, "Do you want to know what the real John Sanders is like?" Sears. Sears, whatever. And yeah, Steve's last name Sanders. Yeah. And she said, "Well, what do you mean?" And then they cut. You know, so we don't, we the, so we don't have to hear all of his uh, past sins and his gay bashing nature. But they they all watch. They come. The three women come to see the jousting match. And Celeste is like, how long has this been going on? Oh, about 10 minutes. Which they luckily cut because 10 minutes of two guys with giant Q-tips right? 
just bashing each other in the middle of the Q-tip. And yeah, for 10 minutes wouldn't have been that interesting. No. But in true Mardi Gras fashion, <laughs> she Celeste says, how shy are you two girls? The virgin. And then the actress. So I guess Brenda's probably not that shy. Right. But what they do is they, they say, hey, John. And they they rip their shirts open and flash him. They're, they're all wearing bras, but they, yeah. they flash him. He looks over. It, they, they could have shot this more comically, I suppose. I guess it's good they didn't. But they could have been the whole, whoa, right? kind of take. <laughs> and Steve hits him and knocks him off. So I, he has to stop seeing Celeste. Although, at this point, I'm pretty sure Celeste is dumping him. Yeah, seems that way. And that's sort of the resolution to his storyline. He doesn't get together with Celeste or anything like that. We don't see that. He doesn't, you know, fuck her in a limo. But <laughs> no. But that's uh, that's what that's how that ends. Okay, so that's Steve's. I guess even more interesting than normal story. I don't know why I didn't pay any attention to him. Um, yeah, I guess it's slightly interesting. <laughs> Steve's just uh, David and the other one. The girl he's dating, Tori Spelling. Uh-huh. I can never remember. Donna. Donna. They're they're the boring ones. Yeah. Except for this episode. Again. I guess. I mean... It was slightly interesting. More interesting than what they normally do. Right. I mean, it is the season finale. It was a two-hour episode. They had yeah. to do some stuff. So, um, Dylan and Kevin are meeting with investors to try to get funding for Kevin's idea. Right. And, you know, Brandon and Brenda's dad... Jim set up everything for him. And then the next day is when Kevin's supposed to be marrying Erica's mom. Right. And so they do the whole wedding thing and nobody can get a hold of him. And um, everybody's like, well, you know, he's getting married. He's getting married. He talks to, to Dylan at the wedding and says he's actually thinking about, you know, not going through with it with the investors because they looked... What do you say? They're, they're drooling over what we have, you know, and all this stuff. And It's and such a good idea. Microorganisms that will clean up the water and and end pollution on the planet. That is a really good idea. It is. Um, so Dylan apparently is rich. This is something else that I missed somehow. Um, I, I don't know why or how he's rich. But... His dad must have had a lot of money and then his dad did him a favor and died and... I guess. Gave him a ton I, of money. I have no idea. So, But Brandon, Brandon's dad, I almost want to call him Brendan now because of you. <laughs> Brandon's and Brenda's dad manages Dylan's money. Right. That's part of what he does. See, that makes sense too. That would be like some kind of trust fund then. Yeah. And that's what he does. He, man- he helps manage him. He manage investments and, and other things for for Dylan. So Dylan decides that he's going to just solo fund this thing, just all on his own, so that they don't have to include anybody else. Super smart decision, too, by the way. Because any time that there's a, a hot new startup company, you just fund it completely yourself with no protections in place whatsoever. Right? And, you know, Jim tries to talk him out of it. Yep. He, he tries to, you know, use logic. And Dylan says he's taking it personally, which is ridiculous. He wasn't taking it personally at all. Um, and then Jim gets so upset with Dylan that he says he's done with him. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's going to 
He's not fired. manage his, his money anymore. Yeah, that he can go into the bank and take all his money out if he wants tomorrow. So he does this. He goes and um, he goes and does some kind of transfer into this other guy's account. What? It's so funny, like, because you're struggling through this because you don't really understand how this works. <laughs> yeah. He, I don't, they, obviously they didn't sign papers of incorporation, which you'd have to do to start a company in California. I know what the laws are in Michigan. I'm not sure exactly what all the laws are in California, but I can only assume because so many corporations exist in California that it's probably even more arduous of a of a task than it is here in Michigan. But they don't sign any papers as far as corporationship or a partnership or anything like that go. Basically, he uh, adds him as a signatory and, you know, a person that can access the account on his account. Oh, God, that's what he did? Yes. Holy shit. That's the paper that he signed. Oh, what an idiot. Basically saying, hey, we have this gentleman's agreement between the two of us that you have this technology and I've got all this money. And, you know, any funds or facility you need, you can just take out of the bank to to fund, you know, your project, to buy a space, to hire people, to, you know, rent equipment, all this stuff. That's, that's, it's all unspoken in the episode, but that seems to be the agreement between the two of them. And they have no other legal protections in place. That's what, that's what Jim Walsh, Brandon and Brenda's dad was talking about with the contingencies and, and all the different things put in place, all the different legal things put in place to make it so it was protected. God, I didn't think Dylan was that stupid. I mean, that that's I know nothing about money, but giving someone you know total access to your funds is dumb. Agreed. Not the way the business is conducted. So you know, I mean, I started getting kind of a sinking feeling at this time. Oh, I did when he started saying when he started saying that he wanted to do it alone. Yeah. That that's that's when I started to get this feeling. And um, like they come out of the bank after doing this and. Surprise, Geraldo Rivera's a bad guy. And they're talking about looking at, like, property. And Dylan's like, oh, hey, you know, I'll go with you. We can look together. And he's like, oh, I'll look at it. I'll let you know. And I, and then I'm like, oh, he should have, you know, had some kind of more understanding of what being a partnership was. Yep. I still didn't think he was going to screw him completely. Um, but he did. There was a twist that I did not see coming. Yeah. Because I thought it was just Geraldo Rivera. No, Erica's mom... Clear villain. ...was also in on it. Apparently, it was her idea. Yeah. She said she spent eight months setting it up. Yeah. So, I wonder if Erica's even his sister. Like, I, I really wish that I could just go back somehow and watch it all from the beginning so I could fill in these gaps. I wish there was a way. <sighs> there, There is a way. There's a couple different ways. One, it'll be on reruns during the summer. Two... I'm pretty sure it's on tape somewhere. I think you can get a tape of the show. You can get a tape of the, of the seasons. I'm pretty sure. My mom got tapes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. And it's filling an entire bookshelf. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that they're small. That's going to be a lot of tapes, but I'm pretty sure that you can get they're called box sets. I'm pretty sure you can get you can get one for 90210. Your birthday's coming up. Maybe for your birthday, 
I'll get you some 90210 tapes. Maybe during the summer, we could review some of the early episodes. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Um, anyway, <laughs> so not only is Erica's mom in on it, and this makes me wonder if Erica's even his sister. Right. Right. So remember back when she said she heard them talking about moving to South America? Yeah, guess what? They're moving to fucking South America. Brazil. They said, um, they take Erica to the airport and they're telling her, oh, it's, you know, it's, we got to go there for the work and, you know, we'll come back and yep. it'll be fine. Like, she's so smart, though. She knows. She knows what's up. Well, she's wise beyond her years. Like, her face is, <laughs> is old beyond her years. So she says she has to go to the bathroom and she writes a note to Dylan. Now, this is definitely little girl thinking. And I, I don't know if this is really going to work. I'm assuming it works because it's a TV show. But what I thought she should have done is find a security person. Right? <laughs> What's she going to tell him, though? It is her mom. I don't know. I just tell her that I, I don't feel right about this. I think they're scam artists. No, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, she didn't get that far in her thinking. But she wrote a note to Dylan telling him where they're going and what's going on and, yeah. and put, whoever finds this note, please give to Dylan McKay with his address on it. Right. Because the most trustworthy people in the world go to LAX airport. Right. Like there's no guarantee that person that finds the note's even going to be staying in LA. Right. I mean, yeah, it was not, not the best plan, but she's a child. I assume it's going to work though. Right. And I wonder if he'll go to South America. I think that... The, the beginning of next season will probably start with him and Rambo going to South America <laughs> and just cutting through a jungle as Geraldo Rivera has, uh, you know, an army of men guarding his compound. I wonder if, like, he's going to even do anything. Like, it seemed like the technology was real. I guess he was working in a lab. See, this, is, this brings up a whole host of questions. Right. Because... He was working in a lab, so obviously, and it was a real lab, so obviously he has some sort of training in this in this area, in this technology. I, I'm, I'm guessing what happened was, is that he tried to do this, and it didn't work. And his excuse was, to Dylan, was that, oh, if it's not an idea from the superstars. Remember how we pointed out that, yeah, that, yeah they'd never use, uh, you know, a billion dollar idea like that. So... That probably was just bullcrap. Like, that probably was just a lie. Where he, he tried this technology, it didn't actually work, and he realized that he was kind of a washout and a failure because he'd probably spent years trying to develop this technology. And this woman that, you know, used to date Dylan's dad, I guess, I don't know, this con woman, just uh, basically said, hey, you know, I, I know what we can do. To get money. Right. Let's get the money from him. And then you don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. I wonder if the wedding was even real. Like, I wonder if they were already married. Maybe. Or if they really did get married as part of their con. I mean, that seems dumb. Well, it looks like they genuinely wanted to be with each other. Right. So I bet they're already married, though. I bet the wedding wasn't real. Could be. It was weird because their reception was just sitting in a in a restaurant. Yeah. So, yeah, that was weird, too. See you. Rushed wedding. Yep. Okay, so the final. That was no. the main. That I, I don't know. It's hard to say which was the A story and which was the B story. That was a big storyline, but Dylan going to Washington, was, or not Dylan, Brand, Brandon going to Washington was also a pretty big storyline. Right. 
So I'm actually, I'm going to save the, the other storyline, um, and I'm going to hop to Roy and Brenda real quick. Um, Roy just, and Brenda? Yeah. Who's Roy? The director. Oh, yeah. So he... Tells, That's a very small part of this show. Yeah, but it, it, it deserves some acknowledgement. So he, and it's a small part, but it's also important. He is setting Brenda up to go to the Royal Academy of Arts for the summer. Right. He tells her, you know, she has a real talent. And remember, he kept saying how she needed to be formally trained. And he's also a con man. No, I'm just <laughs> and, she, and she's like, well, I'm sure it's already, you know, full up. And he's like, oh, I just need to make a phone call. So, I mean, seriously, she didn't sleep with him? Like, why is he doing all this for her? So. I guess he believes. See, here's the, Holly, here's the Hollywood lie. He just believes in her talent so much that he wants to help her out. Right. But he doesn't want to sleep with her, even though uh, besides her teeth, she's relatively attractive. <laughs> well, and he's a hound dog. I mean, it's established. So, of course, he wants to sleep with her. Well, maybe he wants to sleep with her in London. I don't know. Maybe he's thinking eventually it'll happen. Maybe. So, he, um, he tells her that he can do this for her. She goes to her parents and actually tells them she's going to pay for the plane ticket herself. At first, I'm thinking this whole thing is her asking them to pay for it, but she's going to pay for it. And um, so she's going off, and she's hanging out at the carnival with Dylan. Mm-hmm. They're on the Ferris wheel talking about how their whole relationship is like a, a Ferris wheel and going up and down, and the bottom falls out and all that stuff. And um, It's a lazy metaphor. Yeah. I don't know. She ends up telling him that she loves him and asks him to give her um, some time and something to come back to. Right. So we'll see what happens there. And they make out. Yeah. Presumably they have sex. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> Brandon. Brandon goes on the red eye out to Washington. He had stayed behind to see about the baby. And um, Claire is there. Surprise. Yeah. With her dad. So, like, her dad knew she was coming. Yeah. At first it kind of seems like she did it on her own, but dad she's, knows she's there. She's looking for Eastern colleges. Right. She's such a... She has an interesting nose. It's not exactly bad, mm-hmm. but it's a weird, like, little upturned nose. I guess. She's a little upturned nose. I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with her nose. Okay. <laughs> um, Lucinda is also there. Yeah. And No explanation why. She's just also there at the conference. No, there was some kind of explanation. It was just dumb. It didn't stand out. It wasn't exciting. Yeah. So Brandon's eyes are just darting back and forth between the two of them. He's looking terrified as well. He should. Uh, he comes back to his room at some point and finds Claire in his shower. Mm-hmm. How'd you get in here? I have my ways. This this comes up a few times. I have my ways. I'm sorry. Do do pretty women just get whatever they want in life? Like, you you would know. No, no, I would not. Um, and he finally just says to her, "All right, I give up." And he says, be here when I come back. And he's going down to make his big speech. Right. And it, they kiss. Yeah. It kind of breaks my heart a little bit when I'm seeing this because I'm thinking, no, don't, don't give in to her crazy ass. But um, then Lucinda. Well, like I said, that's what it takes. Three weeks of constant stalking. Right. That's, that's, that's how you break down a guy. All the, all the girls out there that want to get with a guy, just stalk him for three months. <laughs> um. Lucinda is in the elevator with him and the chancellor. And some and dude. And some other guy, yeah. Extra uh, for the week. On the way up. And uh, 
says she's going up to a friend's room. Right. I knew right then what she meant. Oh, yeah. Um, She's like, what room are you, what floor are you on? So, yeah. Um, Chancellor's asking Brandon if he's seen his daughter, and can you tell her I'm looking for her, basically. And he knows where she is. Yeah. And then Lucinda follows him off the elevator. And he just introduces the girls to each other. Like... Yeah, he says, no, I've got, I'm have got. i not going to do anything. I've got somebody waiting for me. Right. She goes, you're serious, aren't you? Knocks on the door, and Claire answers. Yeah, so he's just like, hey, Claire, Lucinda, Lucinda, Claire. And then Claire invites Lucinda to dinner. Yeah. It's weird. So weird. The whole thing's weird. And then Brandon is sitting between the two of them at the table with Chancellor and a bunch of other, you know, guys. And both the women are rubbing his leg under the table. Yeah. Yeah. And um, at the end, both women... Oh, wait a second. You're hmm. skipping tons of stuff. What am I skipping? At the end of what? The end of the episode? The end women? of dinner. Okay, go ahead. At the end of dinner, both women separately say to Brandon, leave your door unlocked. I'll be up in a minute. Right. So we're like, oh my gosh, they're going to have a threesome. Mm-hmm. But he ends up going to the desk clerk and asking for a room change. Yeah, so he gets a new room. <laughs> Um, and in the meantime, Kelly has decided that she wants to be with Brandon, which, you know, we had mentioned, it seemed like they were a little bit flirty. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of makes sense. And, and she talks to Andrea and Andrea says that, you know, Brandon's crazy about her too. And, and so she kind of gives her blessing for her to go after him. So Kelly goes out to Washington on a plane. It's so nice to just be able to fly wherever you want in the world. Right. At a drop of a hat. (laughs) They're all made of money. Um, and somehow she manages to find his room. Yeah, she says, I have my ways. Right, yeah. They all they all just find him, however. That's just the that's just the script writer's get out of jail free card. Right. Wait, how did she figure out which room he was in? Just just let her say she has her ways. Because you'd think that he'd have to have like said, Don't tell anybody where I am because otherwise the other two would have shown up. Yeah. Well, his her ways is the script writer told her. Where he was at. Right. So she shows up with um, room service breakfast, and they go sightseeing, and then they end up, you know, in bed together. They're going to be a couple now, and I think that's cool. I think they'll they'll be good together. We'll see. Um, the other, the, the two women apparently have sex with each other. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, it's I, sort of implied, I guess. I don't think they really did, though. Well, they said, so what happened was, is they're at the desk, they're looking for him, and the guy's like, at the desk, says, I don't know where he is, basically. And they turn, and they see him walking out with Kelly, and they're like, oh, you know, we've been had, and and she's like, oh, no, you know, we'll, Celeste says, we'll, we'll get him, or, she says something like, I don't know, she says something that sort of implies that they're going to try to ruin this for him. And she says, you know, have you had breakfast yet? So they go to breakfast together. And it never comes up again in the rest of the episode. Yeah. So it could be read a couple different ways. It could be read like they, they're they planning to do something to get back at him. Or I guess it could be read that they're just going off together now. So I don't know. I, I really think that um, maybe they're just bonding over the fact that they both like him so much. I guess, I don't know, I guess Brandon is an attractive guy because he's got three women coming after him. He is. I mean, he is attractive. He's not that attractive. 
So that is the... Three women have never chased me. That's all I'll say. <laughs> that is the season finale of 90210. Yeah, so we will recap next season when we uh, when we go back and find out what happens with the baby and what happens with the relationships, all that stuff. Did you find it a satisfying uh, closure to the season? Sure. I think it. I think they did a, a decent job. Me for too. A show I only care about because we do this show. 